I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amra Sandu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. It is such a treat to be here today. We have with us Dr. Stan Patkin. Stan, how are you? I'm fine, Amrit. It's nice to meet you. It is such a pleasure to have you here. For those tuning in to Stan for the first time, he's a clinician, researcher, teacher, developer of a psychobiological approach to couples therapy, affectionately known as PACT. It's a polytheoretical non-linear approach to dyadic systems, which I'm hoping to understand a little bit more because that term doesn't mean too much to me just yet, that integrates developmental neuroscience, arousal regulation, and attachment theory. Now, I know I've tuned into a lot around attachment theory and stuff, so there's bits and pieces in there that I know a little bit around. There's bits and pieces in there that I'm not completely familiar with, but it is such a treasure to have you here today because your TED Talks and your videos online and just, yeah, exploring the, I was going to say the beast that is relationships in some way, but uh, that already has us starting on certain connotations, which I probably should keep the slate pretty clean. Um, Yeah, just helping us tackle the beast. Um, It's a a real, real privilege to have you. Thank you. Uh, the beast, that is the thing we need. We can't seem to do without relationships, can we? Mm, it is really profound, that, isn't it? I, um, Having done so many podcasts and so many different avenues on so many different topics, it always um, 
obviously your work is, you know, uh, like a part of it is based on intimate relationships, but also I find even like random things like longevity and health and mental health and well-being underneath, like there's so much more research going into it now that underneath all of that, the foundational sort of bedrock of our well-being in so many different dimensions is this sense of deep social connection. Um, yeah. Like we're wired for it. Yeah, absolutely. We're wired for it. Uh, a long, a longest a longitudinal study, at least in this country, uh, from the 30s uh, called the Grant Study. That's uh, from Harvard Medical uh, School. Uh, showed very early that the secret to happiness, longevity, and good health is at least one secure functioning relationship in one's life. That means somebody that I can depend on with my life, and they reciprocally can do that with me. And that's what we need, all things being equal, which they're rarely not. Equal. <laughs> uh, genetics and being hit by a bus and things like that. But uh, but now we do know uh, uh, for sure that we need relationships in order to be happy, healthy, and to live a good life. Stan, do you ever look back at, um, I guess this is me reaching for some context, um, do you ever look back at potentially well, the child, you know, in the stand that was 10, maybe 13, and look at him and go, oh, he was always going to be doing this sort of work in the world. Like, do you, like, where did this work come from for you? Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it makes sense to me because I, uh, you know, was a very awkward, shy um, kid mm. and uh, really felt very much like an outsider in school. Uh, and I think I, <laughs> I lived a lot in fantasy uh, and that, you know, that may have turned out good for me. I don't know. But uh, but I, I really felt the need to be of use to people to uh, to be needed and to have uh, a function in the world uh, where I could care for people. I thought that might have been a doctor when I was that age. Mm -hmm. But actually, I was in music. I was in music. Yeah music business as a, a professional musician for most of my young life until I was around 26. So to be doing what I'm doing is a little bit of a head scratcher, uh, considering from where I've come, but it makes sense still um, uh, that I would be doing what I'm doing. I just would never have known it. <laughs> yeah, I always find the uh, the... Again and again, I just find on the Inspired Evolution, it's our biggest challenges that form our biggest gifts to the world. And yes. your work is profound. And it's, yeah, it's just, I think for the audience listening, and it's always helpful to hear, especially when we're going through challenges ourselves, that, yeah, there's, um, um, there's a reason we're going through the hero's journey in some way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I often don't know until looking backward. It's the fog of the future. Um, or a fog of the present, you know, we can't really tell where we're going until we've gone. And then looking back, it starts to make sense. Can I ask a little bit about PACT? Um, sure. Psychobiological approach to couple therapy. What do you mean by psychobiological and how does that really, because um, it is, yeah, it is, um, yeah, I don't want to, <laughs> you tell me. Psychobiology is the study of the mind, the body, uh, the brain. And the, and the interplay between the two, right? And the interplay between the two of them. So it's a developmental, um, uh, you know, uh, approach, uh, yeah. actually. We study uh, infant brain development and child brain development and brain development throughout the lifespan, as well as attachment uh, organization and arousal systems like the autonomic nervous system. So those those three things uh, really form uh, psychobiology as I define it at least, uh, and that's the PACT approach. Those three, uh, you know, main sciences or disciplines of study research, um, really form what PACT is. The bones of it. Yeah, and uh, anchoring it towards um, couple therapy, like why is the um why is it so important to use this approach towards understanding how we how we navigate each our, our most intimate relationships between one and another like the love of our life potentially 
Well, there's nothing harder on the planet than another person, isn't there? I mean, uh, right? Uh, people are the hardest. Uh, and so this is really about studying relationships in, in, in our case, a two-person psychological system. But it could be polyamory, it could be more, it could be, you know, uh, ethical, um, uh, non-monogamous relationships, which include more people. But generally speaking, we pair bond in twosomes, uh, you know, human primates. Uh, that's what we do. We're herd animals that pair bond. Mm -hmm. So that is from the very, very beginning with our first dependency relationship, our caregiver or caregivers. And uh, it all starts from there in terms of how secure we feel in that relationship um, has a, a big impact on how we will perform and be in later relationships as well. So there are a lot of other factors, but that's one of them. Yeah, and it's interesting because you, you mentioned that a lot um, throughout, well, from my research um, into your work, what I found is this piece of safety is fundamental to what you've described again and again in your work. Um, and I think we sort of, when I, it, it sounds, once I've been normalized to the idea, it, it makes a lot of sense. But once I remember the first time I was exposed to to sort of coming across this um, in in your work, I was like, safety doesn't seem like it's the most like it makes sense from a theoretical point of view. But when you start feeling into how much of it you go into a relationship based on feeling, based on emotion, I don't look at someone and go, "Ooh, that's going to make me feel real safe." <laughs> you know? Like I don't attract the cues of attraction associate the cues of attraction um, with safety um, as being my sort of gut feeling. So can you unpack that a little bit? Because we get normally well, get it. Yeah. yeah. Nature doesn't really uh, guide us with relationship. Uh, nature wants us to, uh, you know, to procreate, wants mm -hmm. us to, uh, wants the species to continue. Um, and so we first meet somebody, we're, you know, uh, flooded with endogenous drugs that make us go wowza. Um, and, uh, you know, that's nature's way of saying, you know, mate uh, mm. or not. Um, but but that's the way of nature. Um, we live longer today than we ever have. And so now we care about relationship and constancy and stability and so on. But there was a time when it, it didn't matter because we weren't going to live very long anyway. Or, or yeah. we, would, we would have a baby and, uh, and then uh, after about four years, we would split up and mix up the gene pool uh, until we died. Mm. And, and that's nature. So uh, safety and security becomes a, a relevant issue when we unionize, when we form alliances based on 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 survival, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll group with other people to survive, uh, uh, and no different with a, a partner, right? It's about survival first and then thriving, and so then it really matters because a system that's unsafe or too insecure is going to have problems, right? People are not going to be happy. Mm. This is about human happiness. This is not about, uh, you know, continuation of the species. Yeah. It's interesting at this particular juncture because we are living longer than we've ever lived before in some ways, arguably. And the interesting dynamic that that brings then into our relationships, when you said like, you know, they're, they're some of the most complicated things we'll ever be invested in. Um, yeah maybe like do you ever find yourself questioning the longevity that is now demanded upon our current intimate relationships no not anymore um uh, i'm an older man so i i kind of been around the block and uh i know i know what it's like to uh have flitted about and uh and experimented and been with different people I like the stability of being with one person, uh, my preference. Um, I like choosing like a career, choosing one thing that I'm going to pour all my in, uh, intentions and attention on mm. as a self-discovery, right? Um, mm. 
we pick one thing, otherwise we don't know anything, right? If we're spread out too much. So uh, to each his own, not everybody wants that. Not everybody is uh, even monogamous. Um, uh, and so th this is really about, you know, um, uh, uh, create your own adventure. Pact is about that. It's about two people uh, creating out of whole cloth something that does not exist uh, in real life, except in our heads, a relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, Right. And uh, you and I are going to create something. We just got to make sure that we're creating the same thing or we'll fight. Um, we have to make sure uh, that we're envisioning the same idea mm -hmm. and then we have to build it uh, in order to be able to live in it without killing each other. And is that vision pertaining purely to how we interact with one another or is that bigger than that? Is it also where we're going in life, what our goals are, what our finances, what our environment, you know, what our family structure looks like? Is it? Yeah, it's a, it's a structure. It's, it's an organization. It's a, 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 with a hierarchy. It should be us hmm. uh, and not others, right? Um, uh, you know, how we build it is also how we're going to fare uh, as uh, as partners, uh, right? As an alliance. So it's really also about how we're going to do business, mm. um, how we're going to settle disputes, how we're going to um, build a relationship set of ethics or ethos. Um, you know what what do we um, what do we both say we're going to do, and what do we both say we're never going to do? Mm. Um, it's a deal or no deal kind of a situation right it's it's not based on feeling it's based on purpose terms and conditions as it should be with two adults that are of equal power and authority they have to work together or they won't work hmm. what do you say to the the offhanded remark that that sounds like it doesn't it's not impregnated with the emotions that bring two people together and it sounds more contractual well it is emotion and feelings that bring us together but it should not be emotion and feelings that set up shop or decide uh how we're going to keep it fair just and sensitive mm. uh, there's a social contract issue here mm. uh, so if it's just feeling well feeling comes and goes um, I'm not going to feel the same thing about you uh, next week as I do right now. I don't know how I feel, but it probably would be different. Mm -hmm. I can't say I'll feel the same way about you in a year. I may not like you in a year, mm -hmm. but we're still together, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, I could be in my 40s, and by then I'm looking for other options because, uh, uh, you know, I'm afraid of death and I'm afraid this is all there is and uh, I want more. All these things can happen because of emotion and feeling, but that doesn't really create a solid, stable union or alliance. Only purpose does. Shared vision, shared ideas, what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, right? That's the only thing that will last. So if you're not interested in a relationship that will last, you do whatever you want. <laughs> so... A long-term uh, strategy for safety and attraction is purpose and vision. How do you go about helping people establish um, a vision slash a purpose together in their life? Well, vision usually comes from we're, we're creating something. We're not, right? Mm -hmm. um, you and I are embarked in, uh, in a partnership um, uh, to uh, solve problems not each other, solve problems, and create things uh, um, that we wouldn't ordinarily be able to do alone, but we can do it together. Mm. And so as long as that is our vision, we create things, we solve problems, uh, we protect each other in public and private. Uh, we're the center of the universe. Uh, it's us against the world. Our relationship comes first before all other people and all other things because... All other things and people depend on us being in good shape. Mm. So it's thought through in terms of why we're even doing this. Uh, because if we forget, we could just give up. And so that's the same with any, any team or group or organization. Uh, you, you have to get people on board by wanting the same things and pointing in the same direction. 
you know, we're going to win. Uh, we're going to make a lot of money. Uh, we're going to have a great family. We're going to um, survive uh, uh, at all costs, uh, right? We're going to whatever it is. Um, we have a shared idea. We're not just hanging out, mm. right? And so that's the way uh, uh, small and large systems work. If you're going to bring people together, unless it's a dictatorship or slavery, <laughs> in which case, you know, it's uh, you do it because I say so. Yeah. It's interesting because as I'm hearing you share this, I think it's all stuff that we apply. And obviously, you know, running my own business, it's all the kind of stuff that I apply to my business. And mm -hmm. I feel completely fine not making emotion-based decisions in my business where it's like, you know, this is what the numbers say or this is what, you know, where we're at at the moment. And obviously I base a lot of my decision-making on my intuition as well. Um, but then also what feels right and feels good, um, but also very heavily informed by, yeah, just what the terms and conditions should be, what my ideals are, what my values are, where I think things want to go. And when you're sharing it about relationships, in this conversation it makes a lot of sense, but I do find outside of this conversation without your presence here, <laughs> it feels like, Wait, that you know, it's it's it doesn't sound as intuitive to sort of set things up. Um, yeah, well, I just don't find we approach our relationships in the same sort of structured fashion. You know, even myself, like me and my wife, we've been together. <clears throat> we've been married for about two years, but we've been together for almost twelve years now. Um, touch wood, and it's it was it's really interesting. Like you know, we'll, we'll have these conversations sometimes, and we like we just find little little discrepancies where she's visioning this for her future and i'm visioning this for our future and they're not they're not necessarily <laughs> aligned and it's like oh we should really sit down and <laughs> have a chat about this because well, it should because yeah. if, you're, if you're pointing <clears throat> well where we point and so if you're pointing in different directions uh that will be a problem right yeah. you're going to make visions according to where you are envisioning that's why you want to make sure you're on the same page mm -hmm. uh right you want to um you know uh get consensus attract each other sell each other bargain with each other uh to get each other on on the same page so that you're working together you're not working across purposes and it's um it's fascinating i remember tuning into bits of relationship advice in the past and people say it's really important to figure out you know like where you stand on certain fundamental issues like whether you want to have children where you would like to live what sort of you know percentage of time you're going to allocate to being a hustler and working in the world versus how much more important is family to you and it's okay you know like as long as you've got that somewhat clear and mapped out between each other and that it's okay with you and I used to be like I used to be a well Bit more rose tinted glasses and say yeah but love's enough love finds a way um and after you have kids you start to realize oh oh that's a that's a big one <laughs> actually like you know it's really important to realize because i've got dear friends in my life that you know one is super itchy to have kids and another person is not unfortunately well fortunately for them or unfortunately i can't say yeah. neither is better or worse but they're completely in love and they've spent so much time with each other now they've been together for you know five years maybe longer six years but unfortunately you know not being able to um agree on those sort of terms right the investment is so painful on the other side of that now so someone like me who does this work day in and day out and has done it for a very long time that's called a deal breaker mm -hmm. um a deal breaker is something that uh we both want I want to do drugs. You want a sober life. Neither mm. uh, of us are wrong, but can we live together? Mm. Uh, I want a child. You never want children. Uh, I want to raise our child Muslim. You want to raise your child, our, ch our children Catholic. Um, uh, right? Both are right, but uh, how are we going to get each other on the same page? We may not be able to. Unfortunately, the human condition is to mm. is to kick the can down the road. Right? Yeah. And that's not good because eventually things, uh, you know, the, uh, the time will come uh, when that person is going to throw down and say, I've got to have children. And mm -hmm. the other person says, I'm, I can't. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and that's a big problem. And that's when they come to therapy many times. But that could have been taken care of earlier. Mm. Unfortunately, we don't do that because the attachment system is actually a biological mandate that tells us, I can't quit you. Mm. It's not It's not emotional. It's not love. I mean, it is emotional, but it's not love. We confuse it with love. It's survival. It is existential threat uh, that if I lose you, uh, there's a feeling of death. And so uh, that makes me do a lot of crazy things uh, that I shouldn't do or that might not be very fair because of the I can't quit you biology. But yet uh, your friends, I hope they work it out, and uh, uh, but they should really take care of that as soon as possible so that mm. they don't, it, 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 it doesn't end up a cancer cell that's going to get them. Yeah, it's interesting because... Yeah, the way you described it then is it's much more survival-based than love-based after a certain point. Um, is it after a certain point or is it always a survival? We're survival first. Um, survival first. Um, even our brain tilts to the negative from birth for survival purposes. Uh, if uh, if I don't have positive data coming through, I'm going to assume the worst. If I don't uh, hear you say something and there's a big blank space, I'll fill it in with the most negative thing. That's the way our brains work. Mm -hmm. uh, and not only that, um, how easy is it for us to hurt each other, misunderstand each other, get it wrong, step on each other's toes? If we don't fix it right away, we start to accrue threat memory. Mm. Uh, which begins to become biological. So, um, so these are things we've come to know over the millennia of dealing uh, with each other, which is why we have things in place like apologies, yeah. <laughs> making the amends, falling on your own sword. That's saved many a country from war, mm. uh, people from being sued or families from breaking up, right? Uh, and yet a lot of people still don't do that. So there are things to understand about the human condition if you want to be in a relationship that will last a long time mm. um, that have to be uh, respected and understood. Otherwise, uh, we'll do what everyone on the planet does. Shoot first, ask questions later. <laughs> not the best strategy. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not really even a strategy. It's our survival impulse uh, to, uh, to protect ourselves and our interests if we feel threatened and our kid can make us feel that way. You mentioned that we're here to solve problems potentially as part of our co-created vision and purpose, but not each other. Right. People make the mistake of working on each other rather than working on the problem or the solution. Right? Can you tell us, yeah. More about that, please. <laughs> You and I are working out something, and as soon as I start working on you, uh, I can expect war, because working on you compels you to protect yourself and your interests, which will then compel me to do the same. Mm -hmm. So this is done without realizing it if we're not two-person oriented, meaning um, I know that we are, you and I are interdependent if we choose to be. We have the same things to, this is what it means. We have the same things to gain and mm -hmm. the same things to lose. We have equal parity. That's what keeps us honest, right? And that's what makes us interdependent. Mm -hmm. Anything other than that would be dependency or codependency, right? Not having equal stakes. So uh, be that uh, is true, all right? Since that is true, we have to think like a two-person system of win-win. I can't afford for you to lose because if you do, I will pay the price. Mm -hmm. I can't afford to do something to you that makes you feel hurt, insecure, or unsafe. Mm -hmm. because I will pay for that. So it is uh, it is a higher moral level of self-interest, but it's, it's self-interest that includes you right? I can't really do anything without making sure you're, you are okay. Um, otherwise, again, I will pay for that. So this, uh, people know who've been cop car partners or in the military or in a dance, in a dance troupe, or uh, uh, we have to work together or we do not make it. So, um, right? 
so uh, uh, we, you and I have to make sure we both win. Uh, and that's hard to do under stress. Mm. Hard to do under stress, because as soon as we get under stress or feel the least bit threatened, we tend to revert to a one-person orientation. Turn inward. <laughs> yeah. Me, my, I, and you, you, you. And uh, that's where we all get into trouble. Yeah. And so in those instances where we are stressed and we start to turn inward, is there some strategies that we can allow ourselves to sort of, is it just a matter of taking space and not engaging in that moment and going for a walk, taking time out, disconnecting yeah. from the engagement yeah. at that particular point in time? Um, the goal, the opposite of that is to is to stay engaged, but learn how to be experts on each other and to know the animal you're with. Uh, so that I know what to do if you start to get out of sorts. I know how to uh, return you to safety, and you know how to do that with me. Because it's easy to split up and take time out. Uh, but, uh, but it doesn't work as well, because we don't actually recover well by ourselves. We recover mm -hmm. well only with another person really fast, as long as the conditions are right. right. In fact, we do everything better with other people than we do alone. But the conditions have to be correct for the person that uh, that is, uh, or the persons that are involved. So it's a skill, and it's an understanding of how our brains and our bodies work. Um, and many of us really don't know this. Um, yeah. And everybody would be different, I imagine, as well. Everybody is different, but there are only so many differences in people when it comes to uh, uh, to nervous system. Uh, operations and attachment there's only so many variations um uh even across cultures right so uh, so people are people uh in the sense that everyone knows what it feels like when there's injustice or unfairness right even mm -hmm. children that. um and uh and we know that people cross culturally can actually work together prosper get along as long as they understand they're different and respect the differences and know how not to be threatening. Mm. Right. Uh, that's, that's the key. And that takes a little bit of more of a social emotional intelligence. It does because uh, you've got to understand that the other person is not the same makeup as you and that what threatens you doesn't necessarily threaten them, but they may be triggered by something completely different. And, th and they will be. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's why, that's why it's, I say it's a team sport. Mm. Um, Two separate individuals that have the same things at stake. Uh, you go down, I go down, um, right? So we've got to work together, kind of like if if we were, um, if our legs were bound together, the inner legs were bound together. If that were the case, we'd have to work together. Mm. Otherwise, we wouldn't go anywhere. We yeah. wouldn't do anything, right? Um, or a potato sack race, you know, we wouldn't win, we just... <laughs> Uh, as we argue and everybody else wins and that's yeah. what happens yeah is it are there too many to list in terms of the different types of um sort of responses that we have um or are there some generic ones that you can sort of articulate in terms of what sort of signs and symptoms we can see in each of those situations well the big response systems either fight freeze um um or faint right mm. fight or flee rather fight mm. uh, uh flee or faint mm -hmm. those are our major responses universal right but so uh, if you i get threatened i'm either going to be aggressive and fight um or i'll run uh if i've been traumatized in my life i may faint uh or still um mm. but the kinds of things that are going to threaten us uh, are going to be uh, small things like the way you turned your head. Um, Why did you do that? What does that mean to me? I recognize that. I don't like that. Uh, the way you said that word, the way you just made that sound, um, your movements, your non-movements, uh, what you said, what you didn't say, um, uh, right? The sound of your voice, the, uh, your eyes, the way they're moving. I don't like that. Um, all of these things we tune into, especially when we are committed to each other, that's when the fun mm. starts. That's when we become proxies uh, for everybody who's ever hurt us and everybody that's ever, right? Uh, it's a long memory, which is why these relationships are really hard.
You talk about the work being psychobiological. How much, you know, when you start talking about a long memory, um, I've done some work recently and we had some really interesting conversations on the podcast about how the body seems to hold um, emotional memory quite um, robustly. Um, whereas the conscious mind seems to be a bit more flitty, sort of flits between things and sort of remembers like, if you were like, what did you eat last Thursday for dinner? And they're like, uh, you know, it's <laughs> like, I can't really go there. But then, you know, there's these certain things that the body seems to retain as memory quite well. Is that your finding as well? Can you elaborate on that? Yes, it's called implicit memory or somatic memory or procedural memory. Mm -hmm. um, the other part is declarative memory, and that is uh, more of the domain of the left hemisphere, especially in the upper left. And uh, most everything else is stored in the right, which is uh, nonverbal or preverbal or uh, simply somatic. And this is called implicit memory. And most of our uh, most of our interactions are happening below the the level of of uh, consciousness or awareness, let's say, and it's happening through nonverbal cues, mm. verbal cues, and nonverbal memory. Uh, and uh, since we're, I said we're memory animals, everything we do is by memory. There's very very little time in any given day that we actually spend using the really expensive areas of our neocortex, which are energy consuming, which is why we don't. Mm. Uh, um, uh, in biology, uh, organisms are energy conserving, mm. meaning that we do the least amount necessary. Nice and lazy. <laughs> it's just nature. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't use the high caloric, uh, you know, um, uh, number crunching area of my brain unless I really have to, and I don't like mm. it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so we're automatic, um, reflexive, memory-based, uh, with lightning-fast recognition systems that see that smirk on your face and feel threatened, uh, and, and that's how we roll. Mm -hmm. uh, if we don't understand that, we might, uh, we might um, you know, think there's something wrong with our partner when there really isn't. This is all of us. Yeah, and so especially with that memory base, then we start generating meaning based on our experience rather than what's the situation at hand. We run the risk of interpreting, interpret, interpreting the situation um, based on our past rather than what's actually happening in the present moment. Yes, and we, and we base it, uh, um, it's called a narrative, right? So mm -hmm. we build our personal narratives Forgetting that there, uh, that those narratives are uh, are oriented toward the self, uh, protecting you know our own interests. Um, it doesn't really include the other person. So, uh, so here's how it is with the human being. I'm unhappy and I don't know why. And then I remember, oh yeah, it's you. That's how we are. Uh, and so I can build a narrative of all the things that you do and why you're so difficult. It's not true. It's only a little true. Mm -hmm. But that's all we need to survive and to protect our interests, right? And so, uh, so again, you know, this is part of the human condition. Um, mm -hmm. um, uh, we mostly don't know what we're doing at any given time because real time is actually too fast for consciousness. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we're mostly automatic through the day, mostly mm -hmm. automatic, uh, without even realizing it. Sorry, I was about to interrupt. Please continue. Yeah. No, 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 that's that's it. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a, what you're alluding to at the moment is what I sort of hear um, in some of my communities. They say your, your relationships are a mirror for you. Um, have you heard that term before in that phrase? Sure. Yeah. And is this kind of where we're coming to is, uh, is what you've just alluded to is, you know, there's something wrong with me. And then I like to sort of, some, you know, you're what's wrong with me. <laughs> you know, is that, yeah. Is this it, kind of, yeah. It, it's, it's externalizing, uh, problems, right. I, I usually don't look to what I did. I look to what you did. Mm -hmm. Um, I should be looking to what I did. Um, not to beat myself up, but to take mm -hmm. responsibility for my end of the relationship. Uh, that's the proper way to do it. But that's a hard thing for us to do when under stress, 
because we revert to caring for our own interests. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to be oriented to a two-person system to where I have to keep you in mind at all times as I keep myself in mind. Very hard to do, right? If you're feeling mm. good, it's a little easier. Mm. Uh, but I have to think of you at the same time I'm thinking of me, or you will confuse me as unfriendly. That's the formula if you want to really know. Do you start by putting the other person's interests in front of you at a certain point, or is that also toxic? Um, uh, we're of equal importance. Mm-hmm. I have to please you as I have to please myself. I have to keep myself safe and you at the same time. It's not an either or, it's and. Um, and uh, most of us are not oriented that way. Um, uh, we, you know, we are concerned about ourselves first. And uh, that leads us to, uh, to be unfriendly appearing. And then we fight, right? We just fight. Uh, um, that's not a way to build consensus. It's not a way to assure another person and keep them safe enough to influence them. Mm-hmm. So here's how it works. If I start to get um, overly excited in a bad way, my heart rate goes up, my blood pressure goes up, and I'm starting to feel unsafe with you, you can no longer influence me. You can't. Um, I'm not. I'm not here for that. Uh, uh, the only way you can influence me is to return me to safety in some way, which you can do if you're skillful very quickly. I have to do that with you. So if I don't know how that works, I'm never going to get anything I want with you. I'm not going to be very uh, persuasive because I'm using a stick to get what I want, not attraction to get what I want. Um, So we're talking about a higher level of social emotional intelligence again, where we have to operate at a different level of, uh, of, of, of thinking, right? Morally, we are responsible for each other. You're in my care. I'm in your care. That's how mm. it that's how it works best. Yeah. So it's interesting because the question that emerges for me then is how do we start to find that equal pairing of vested interest in one another? Um, but before I simply ask that question, it's it's intriguing because there's been moments in my life where I feel like personally from my experience I've I've made certain decisions and I'd like to sort of get you to weigh in on your thoughts on the practical application of what I think feels like that and whether I've, I don't want to say nailed it or how far off the mark or how well within the mark your opinion of it is because I think it would be more illustrative with a bit of an example. So there was a period in my life where um, both my wife and I were going through a bit of an existential crisis with our work. Um, It was actually the year the Inspired Evolution was birthed, um, so that was a real gift. Um, And she's she's a dentist by qualification and she just felt that, in this period of our life that um, there's got to be more to life than just filling holes in people's teeth. It's just, you know, there's just that sort of moment. And so she had this initial, I want to go traveling. By the way, how old was she when she had that epiphany? Uh, 28. Oh, Saturn, that, around that Saturn's return not. sort of period that people talk about. Um, and yeah, so it was about, yeah. Um, so we look back and sort of knowing a little bit about what people call the Saturn's returns, oh, that must be definitely what was in effect for us. Um, and so she went, she decided she wanted to go traveling for for a, for a year. She just knew in her bones that traveling was something she wanted to do. Um, and at the time it wasn't so much that, hey, like, yeah, I'm going to come travel with you. It was like, she was like, yeah, I just, I just need to go travel on my own. I can feel it would be the, like, not the antidote, but sort of, not even the answer, but it's just, it's what's calling me out of this situation that I'm in. And I distinctly remember at the time um, <laughs> that, yeah, there was people that were like, oh, so she's going to go traveling. And my, my initial response was like, absolutely. Like if that's what you need, long before I had these podcast conversations, long before I had personal development books in my life, traveling was this incredible vessel vehicle in my life. I'd go to a new environment. I'd learn so much about myself. It was incredibly enriching and self like you know self-awareness um instilling that yeah i just absolutely fell in love with it and i was like if that's what is calling you like go like this would be so amazing and uh, she was like but you're not gonna miss me and i'm like yeah of course i'm gonna miss you but like you know you'll be back you know um and 
so there was that conversation. I remember even her family sort of saying, oh, yeah, like, that's fine. You can go just check with Amrit. And I remembered clearly <laughs> they were thinking that being her partner, I would have been the one that's like, no, 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 you can't go. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, she should go. And then they started, like, then they started expressing their concerns a little bit. They're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you know, well, wait, you're actually. <laughs> my first thought is, of course, you're Australian, uh, New Zealand. <laughs> Australians are known for getting the hell out of Dodge and traveling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very much so. We can. Uh, it's interesting when you go traveling as an Aussie and you go halfway across the world just to meet other Australians that live like yeah. two suburbs away from where you yes. are. <laughs> really it's really uh, it's yeah. The irony of that is definitely not lost to me. Um, but yeah, the the perspective at the time, and I had friends ask me, it's like, how are you? Letting and by the way, did she go? Yeah, she did. She did. She we we had no idea how long. We had a rough idea of a twelve months. She went for about ten and a half months in the end. Um, she came back actually, Touchwood, for my birthday, which was a beautiful surprise. Um, but yeah, she had an. She had an She came back for my birthday, um, oh, which is very sweet of her. Um, but yeah, it was a beautiful. It was a beautiful um, time for her. Very rich time for her. And actually, I still reap the benefits of that time she spent away. But or not, but and. My friends used to turn around to me and even my friends, you know, quite awake and aware in, in many instances, they say, how did you let her, like, how do you, how are you letting her go? And I, I still remember having challenges with the, the, the phrasings of the terms. I was like, letting her go, like, letting her, like, let her, like, she's her own, and you mentioned the word interdependence before, you know, mm -hmm. she's, she's her own person. And, you know, if she's feeling like her cup isn't 100% full right now, you know, even from the most, even from a selfish standpoint, like I would want her to go and fill that cup up and bring herself back full to the relationship, you know. So um, he's lucky because another person, male or female, would say that's too long. I can't do that. And they wouldn't be wrong, um, right? Because there's some people who would feel abandoned and feel lonely and uh, they, they know that and they would uh, not like it, right? But that abandonment, isn't that putting yourself first? Like, you know, when you look at each other as an equal, and this is where the question was, was, you know, I don't want to use the word egalitarian, but sort of having that sort of dual perspective of each other and vested interests at heart. For me, it was like, I'm not saying I'm a master of relationships, I'm <laughs> <laughs> definitely not saying that um but you know like i think that was is that the kind of approach that you're alluding to there is like where i remember that being a visceral point in time where i literally felt like what's good for her is what's good for me like you know if this is what she needs to go do yes it may be hard for me through a certain period like winter's going to be cold and miserable without the cuddles <laughs> let's be real but you know it's she's going to come back time fuller and richer for it you know right but you were able to do that not not all uh not all people are able to do that so the oh, question gosh. is in in terms of pact secure functioning means that uh that we can set the relationship up any way we want it's our design mm. our gig this is our culture we just have to agree yeah. Uh, yeah. i'm just saying not everybody would agree which means they'd have to work it out so right. you two were able to do that. That's terrific. Um, but uh, but packed or secure functioning is not one size fits all. It is people make their extraordinarily extraordinary arrangements given who they are and mm -hmm. how they want to live. Um, and if they can get each other to agree, that'll work. The problem is when they can't get each other mm -hmm. to agree, then people start to beat up on each other if they don't have the ability to quit the relationship that's a deal breaker in other words and if and if we can't let go of the relationship because we're like we talked about earlier we're pointing in two different directions um this is uh right not right or wrong good or bad it's just we're too different to handle whatever it is we're planning um uh, if they cannot see themselves as being able to say no deal, that's when people get aggressive and even violent, uh, when they feel helpless and they don't have 
um, the uh, the option to opt out, right? So uh, so people would then have to work it out in a way that's that's good for both of them. How that would be, I don't know. Mm. Right. That's not my concern. My concern is that they have to do it. Yeah. The word compromise comes up a lot when people start initially talking about relationship. I don't like the word. Uh, only because if you look it up in the dictionary, it's similar to bargaining. But compromise uh, too often is uh, I gave up something for you. Mm. And there's a sense of you owe me. Mm. Um, and that often comes up. I compromised and look what I got. So um, I prefer people bargain and negotiate to get things straight and uh, make each other whole before they mm. do. So there's no looking back. Because that was going to be my question initially is like, does compromise happen on this side pre-packed or does it happen once you've made your pact and on the other side? But what I'm hearing is learn to negotiate your needs through the journey. These these systems work best by my trying to get you sold on my idea and you are trying to get me sold on your idea, right? And we're trying to see if we can come together uh, and where we agree and where we are the same. That's skill, right? Mm. Um, and let's say, let's say, you know, you want to go uh, to vacation in the south. I want a vacation in the north. I like the climate there. Mm. Um can we actually work together and make it good for both of us? Yes, we can. We just have to know that we have to do it and then we'll do it. That's a creative project, right? So, so that's really what this is about is that, uh, I, you know, I have to make sure we work together. I have to make sure that, that we're both okay. Otherwise we're disturbing the peace. We're disturbing uh, the future and we don't want that. Right. So we do it, um, uh, the proper way, which is a little harder, but in the end, easier. Uh, we have to work it out and come up with something that works for both of us, or we go back to the drawing board. Mm. That's a two-person system. I'm getting it. Stan, domestic and violence. The two of you worked that, that out, her trip. You worked it out. Yeah, yeah. and But I think that was really valuable as well to hear you say that that worked for us and it wasn't actually for everybody else as well. It's like everybody's pact is their own. Yeah. One of my questions today was going to be around domestic violence and trying to understand a little bit around, and I think even in this conversation at this particular juncture, understanding that more of our relationships are based on survival than we give them credit for, yes. maybe alludes into potentially where some of that toxicity emerges from. Um, is that your awareness of it? It's where our survival is threatened that potentially people lash out um, in unreasonable well, means? Yeah. Um, first of all, we, we as human beings, because nature repeats itself, we, we do what we know under stress and we do what we've seen and experienced. That's about as fancy as we get. Mm. So under stress, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to do the things that I saw and that I that I experienced over what I think is best. Um, uh, that's again, the human condition. So if I grew up with, uh, with violence and abuse, uh, or I saw it, um, I am more perhaps inclined under stress to do that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, if I am somebody who is uh, a passenger, never a driver, and I'm so passive that I never speak up for myself, and I start to feel an, uh, an overwhelming amount of unfairness, um, I too can explode and do something I ought not to do. So a lot of this is, pre is predicted by our families of origin and what we saw and experienced. People just uh, don't up and become violent. Uh, there's usually a history there. Uh, and uh, and uh, as I said before, people become violent when they uh, feel helpless. So helplessness is the big problem. Uh, if I feel helpless, I'm more likely to do something aggressive than if I didn't feel helpless, right? So, uh, so that's often a, a case uh, or, you know, how domestic violence gets triggered. Sometimes it's alcohol fueled, which is the most dangerous, or drug fueled. Um, or it's simply our periods when I feel too small, ashamed, 
uh, and helpless, uh, might is right, I will go and uh, I will square that situation with uh, violence and aggression. Um, so that's the problem there, along with problems with impulse control and so on. Uh, I know in Australia, there are very, very strict laws against spousal abuse or uh, uh, you know relationship violence and also children being exposed to that. Uh, even a little more than it is here. And here it's pretty strict, but very strict to where you are. And I like that mm. uh, uh, because I think people should be able to control themselves and not be violent. Um, but yeah, that's a whole other a whole other can of worms there. Yeah. Is, a, is it a blanket rule that <clears throat> you would instill in terms of if you're subject to such an environment, it's get out? Um, or I always is, recommend. That's your recommendation? Yeah, there's no room for... Uh, uh, because a, a violent behavior is a precursor to murder. Um, you know, uh, domestic violence uh, often does lead to murder. And if not murder, then a terrible accident. Uh, and so no place for it. It's not worth it. Absolutely. One of the other really interesting questions I had coming into today's conversation, because when I speak to you, um, I find yourself very even, but also open-minded. And yeah, I think with relationships, I often end up finding when I'm speaking to people that they have a certain leaning. It's like monogamy's a certain way or some people, and especially with people, I want to say, there, there's, there seems to be more of a trend these days with people sort of bucking the norm of monogamy and sort of opening up and exploring polygamous relationships. I get triggered by it sometimes because they're doing it in the name of spirituality. And then it's like I'm exploring my spirituality by being with multiple partners and confronting all the darkness that comes up from all the agitation that I get from my partners about me being with other people. Sorry, I'm grossly generalizing there. Um, but monogamy, polygamy, you seem to be neither here nor there on it. Um, I couldn't care less yeah. um, in case you haven't noticed. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, if both partners want to uh, to do drugs and alcohol, I don't care either. I only care when somebody doesn't doesn't want, right? Um, if they don't agree, then uh, that's when I uh, care, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, then it's not a fair system. So, uh, so who am I to say what is right or wrong, good or bad? Uh, it's not to my taste, but there are a lot of things that aren't to my taste. Um, this is about what you want, not what I want. This is about what you want and how the two of you operate. Um, I've worked with couples that are kind of criminals. Mm. Uh, so as long as they're not doing anything to me, I'm fine. As long as they're not uh, they're not ripping each other off, I'm fine. Mm. Uh, but but generally, people who are really good with each other, compassionate, uh, considerate, they understand how this works, are generally better to people outside of that orbit as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so I only care that they are uh, doing this well and by agreement, thoughtfully, honestly. Um, uh, that's what I care about. Uh, people have all different ways of living their, their life. And navigating that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to sort of, yeah, I guess there's a, there's a interesting sort of question that emerges is like, do you find more issues in one-on-one -on -one relationships or polyamorous relationships, but I'm sure the 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 concerns that are presented are unique to each individual relationship that presents, and it's got nothing to do with how many people are in the dynamic. It's just the dynamic, right? Yeah, it's it's a factor of numbers. I mean, the more people, the more complicated. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and so, the more organized they have to be, the more mm -hmm. uh, the more they have to think, uh, predict, plan, and prepare for what could possibly go wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so as long as that organization is there and the people are thoughtful, um, then fine. Um, but that's harder to do as the numbers grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it takes a little more, more work. For those that do want to get organized around their relationships and uh, are intrigued by the PACT approach, what's the best place that you would recommend for them to get started? Um, to go to the PACT it's thepactinstitute.com. Mm -hmm. There they can reach me. They can uh, they can uh, do trainings. We do trainings worldwide. We've trained in, in Melbourne, uh, mm -hmm. 
many years. Um, and uh, and we also, uh, this started off as training, because I'm a, a professor, teacher, mm-hmm. uh, started off as training therapists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we started to go to the public, and we've been doing couple retreats for the mm-hmm. last 10 years. Um, uh, and we do them now, mostly online, post-COVID. Um, mm-hmm. We're doing them all in person. Uh, but now we do them online, and we do uh, we do about four to six a year. Uh, so people can find that online uh, mm-hmm. and that's led by my wife and I, Tracy. Yeah. Awesome. I'll, um, I'll put the link to that in the show notes below. Um, and also there's a book coming out called in each other's care this year uh, or this year, the next year soon. So next beginning of next year, yeah, it's, approaching it's, a, it's a pretty big book. And this one is organized by complaints. So, so every every chapter is organized uh, around money, sex, uh, uh, family, children, stepchildren, uh, all sorts of issues that are common that I've seen come through my clinic over the uh, thirty years, and uh, and so it's kind of fun, and uh, and it's a. Uh, uh, it's a go-to uh, your problem kind of book. <laughs> I like this look. I was like, I'm fuming. <laughs> What's my fumes? What color are my fumes? <laughs> I love that. Stan, I've got to ask you before I let you go today is, does it put a lot of pressure on you and your relationship with Tracy to be the relationship guy? Like, how do you carry that? <laughs> we actually have to walk our talk, otherwise we look like phonies. And so, <laughs> so I will say, that secure functioning relationships, which I believe are the only way to ensure a long-lasting, happy relationship, um, is really simple and elegant. Uh, it's uh, common sense. It's just really hard to do uh, because it takes planning, it takes discipline, it takes character, uh, but it takes working together jointly, collaboratively, and cooperatively at all times. And we're, uh, you know, famously happy. Uh, and, and I'm a difficult person, so none of this is easy for me. Um, but I do it because I can and because it's a better life. Mm-hmm. Stan, thank you so much for sharing yourself so abundantly and so freely. And just, yeah, I know it's not just today that we get to have this conversation. It's a lifetime of work that informs this conversation. So... Thank you so much. Um, all the way from all your awkwardness as a kid to developing all the tools and yes. all the with Tracy and like being here today and really just yeah, it's such um, it's such a gift. Yeah, it's such a gift. And what's your wife's, what's your wife's first name? Kay. Yep, her name's Kay. Yeah. Um, um, try try uh, looking at each other for extended period tonight, uh, gazing at each other and exploring each other's face. You probably haven't looked deeply and carefully at details at each other's face for some time. We actually store a picture of each other's face and we don't look. Uh, We think, no, we don't look because of the automation process. Yeah. Try that tonight and see what happens. I will actually. And I've been researching your work as well. Even just where those little bits were like, you know, we sit next to each other a lot, but not necessarily face to face and, you know, how arguments happen with the biology and stuff. Guys, Stan's work's really interesting. Please do take a deeper look under the hood. Um, and always face to face when you're in trouble, never side to side. Yeah. <laughs> really blind on the sides. <laughs> Dangerous to do. Uh, thank you so much again for doing this episode. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. On behalf of myself and the Inspired Evolution audience, Tribe, thank you so much for listening in. Wishing you all the best on your way forward. Same to you, Emery. Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. 
And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.